your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200. WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. Mike Sullivan's track record with the Penguins speaks for itself. The Penguins have never had a coach who has his finger on the pulse of his team like Mike Sullivan. He has been a revelation. Right there with Badger, Scotty, and Herb. Knows just when to switch lines. Knows just when to switch defense pairings. Knows just when to adjust during a game when it comes to personnel. But perhaps next year, Sullivan could be a bit more flexible with his system and his game plan. That's not a critique of Sullivan, not in the least. Not a criticism of his game plan at all. All the pinching, defensemen jumping into the attack. It worked the past two seasons and for most of this one. But the Capitals found a way. They exposed all that. They beat the pinch and used the stretch pass on the counterattack very effectively. The result was an endless string of odd man breaks. We saw a lot of that from the Flyers in the first round, too. Maybe it became predictable. Maybe the personnel on defense couldn't execute. Maybe the forwards were derelict in covering up. Maybe the copycat NHL caught up with the Penguins in terms of speed. But for whatever reason, the Penguins need more of a plan B moving forward. Dan Bilesma resisted that notion and it kept him from growing as a coach. Even if the Penguins just tempered their game more to each opponent, or are more observant of score and situation. And if they want to play the exact same game, shift in, shift out, game in, game out, they need to update the roster. Because, for example, Chad Ruedel is incapable of playing that pinch game all the time. Sullivan is a great coach, but now he's got to prove he can be even better. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, Barry Trotz, the Caps coach, did a real good job in this series. The Capitals were prepared for everything the Penguins tried. For every question, Trotz had an answer. Not a neck, but he had an answer. Last night's game really stagnated, and that benefited Washington. It was slow like a playoff game from 1997. Washington was patient and opportunistic, and that's why they won the game. Uh, This was a great season. Not a great ending by the Penguins, but all season long, we got to bask in the afterglow of two straight Stanley Cups. That was fun. And like I always say, when I was a kid and they were bad, And even when they were pretty good, they disappointed, like in 75, 80, 81, and 82. But I persevered, and a lot of fans persevered, real fans. And what we've seen since Mario Lemieux arrived in 1984 is pretty much unparalleled. It's like a hockey fantasy. Five cups and the world's best players coming to play for Pittsburgh one after the other. So if you're mad about losing last night or you're pointing fingers 
You obviously weren't there for the bad times, so in my mind, you don't count. What's happened over these last three seasons, it's the glory days and should be appreciated. 412-333-9939 is the number to call to get on the Mark Madden Show. Uh, The finger-pointing, and don't get me wrong, some players did less than required. Quite a few because look how the series wound up. And there were mitigating circumstances like the injuries, the fatigue, etc. But it just seems inappropriate to say, oh, you got to get rid of this guy the very next day. It just does because of what this team's accomplished. And that's the problem with social media. And I know I sound old when I say this, but because of social media and blogs and podcasts, a lot of you feel like your opinion counts and it matters. And it's equal to mine because it's out there like mine, or so you think. You don't matter. You don't count. Half the media doesn't matter. Half the media doesn't count because it's not real media. They're pretending. I saw some jamoke with some amateur hour website say that Latang playing so poorly last night would be his legacy and he'd be traded next year. I don't think he's going to be traded next year. And if last night's his legacy, then let's note also, too, he was the game's third star and scored the Penguins' only goal. But but a guy like that, he's not really in the media. He's pretending. And don't buy into those who pretend. People like me, even Ron Cook, whose column I disagreed with today, you know, the people on the B team who I'm, you know, better than all of them, but but they're the real media. I'm the real media. Don't mistake people who are pretending for the real media. If you do this for free or for some minimal amount, you you don't count. That's like uh, I saw one of the uh, victims in the big local media scandal from a few months back. I saw a tweet. Last year I had the life sucked out of me and I hated my career, but now I'm, I don't know, thrusting forward, whatever, you know, doing great, whatever, right? But still a nobody. Put that in there. You're still making crap and you're still a nobody. Let's go to Daryl and Beaver Connie. Daryl, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Hey, you're... Your previous caller was right. We should have brought in another defenseman. We should have brought in Paul Coffey. I mean, what do these people want from Rutherford? Two straight cups. Penguins have three cups in ten years. Well, it, it's easy it. to say now, Daryl, that Rutherford made mistakes. And, and Rutherford's a riverboat gambler. He makes a lot of moves, and and most of them have worked here in Pittsburgh, but some have not. But I don't blame him for Matt Hunwick. Matt Hunwick was a top four on a playoff team last year. Played a ton of minutes in the playoffs for Toronto, and he came in here and for whatever reason didn't find the same form or maybe didn't fit in. Derek Broussard, most people loved that trade when it was made, except for the Ian Cole groupies. Yeah, Pittsburgh was having orgasms over the Broussard trade. We were all over the moon. I don't know about that. Seriously, Ian Cole, so many people in Pittsburgh are in love with them. 
Not many good-looking people, I'm sure, but... 412333. Hey, it's not all about looks. Look at me. I've made it despite being... Well, I'm, I'm better looking than some, for sure. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Kevin, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, hey, Super G, what's happening? Hey, um, quick question here, two-parter, just, you know, one opinion. Uh, do you see anybody that we're not bringing back next year, and is there anybody in Wilkes-Barre that's ready to come up next year, do you think? That's all i got to ask, okay? Thank the you. latter question, Sprong, they like that Benston on defense. They do. I don't know if he's ready to come up next year, but I know they do like him. And from what I hear, there's something to like about him. Uh, as far as who's gone and who isn't, uh, they won't stand exactly pat. I think they need an injection of new blood. It, it, it's weird, though. A as I said earlier, two years ago they brought up Sherry and Rust, and the energy they brought was palpable. Last year they brought up Gensel, and the energy he brought was palpable. This year, uh, they brought up Dominic Simone. Nothing. Didn't help at all, really, and added no energy. A again, I don't think Dominic Simone's an NHL player. And I think Tristan Jari is better than Casey DeSmith as a backup goalie. And they better not let the coaches indulge their vanity projects. Because with DeSmith and Simone, that is what's happening here. Two assistant coaches are indulging their vanity projects. And everybody down there knows it. Let's go to, from the land of Mohammed Salah, the Liverpool legend. He is Bob, the Egyptian magician. Hello, my friend. How are you? Ah! Hi, Mark. And you're not really from Egypt, I know, but it's still a good thing to say, I think. Okay, well, that, you are who you are, and I'll tell you what. I you sure are am. You're a hockey god. You're um, right about that. Uh, no, what you said about uh, adjustment uh, on Coach Solly, I, I that was basically what I called uh, because uh, what, two things I got out of this series from Capitals. Number one, Solly always says, uh, stay in the moment, okay? In my opinion, Capitals stayed in the moment heck of a lot more than Penguins did because, like, the, the game before last, uh, I'm in this, uh, I'm sorry, on the fourth, uh, fifth game. Uh, we had all kind of chances to really bury them, but it was all the rush and they were not staying in the moment. It's well, insane. and it was Braden Holtby too, Bob. The uh, Penguins could have put this game and series away in the first period of game five at DC if Braden Holtby hadn't robbed them blind and Dominic Simone hadn't taken that dumb offensive zone penalty that sparked the Capitals' comeback, a two-goal burst late in the first period. Well, I was just telling you what, what, what I saw. Uh, and another thing is that, uh, see, we, we talk, I talked about the pinching for, uh, uh, you know, defensively, and uh, it, it seems like that they took advantage of that almost every time they had a chance. Anything that went to middle, they kind of intercepted it or basically... It started all the way. They were just ready. And this thing did not happen just with Capitals. I saw this trend all season long. The other teams, they were just looking, uh, basically targeting the, the defensive uh, the, the players of uh, Penguins. And they every time they got the puck When you say the middle, targeting, Bob, what do you mean? Uh, in other words, they were aware of 
our defense. And they well, I mean, Bob, when they get the puck, they're going to try to attack. If that translates to targeting the defense, then I think every team in the league does that to every other team in the league. Now, as far as the Penguins pinching and the defensemen jumping into the rush too often, there you may be on to something. I think Sullivan has to come up with a plan B because it took the league a long time to figure out what the Penguins were doing, and I think part of it was the Penguins started doing the pinching by rote automatically instead of picking their spots. So he needs a plan B. His system needs to be a bit more flexible next year. But I have no complaints up till now. I mean, how could you? Correct. And lastly, I think it was like uh, uh, Barry Trott, he uh, hired the psychologist. Because uh, what I saw... Bob, this had nothing to do with psychology and everything to do with the Capitals playing better hockey than the Penguins. You can read too much into that that, that mumbo-jumbo, the... The Zen of winning. It's like the uh, philosopher Basho said, a donut with no holes is a Danish. A flute with no holes is not a flute. And uh, I have a question for you, Bob. Go ahead. Every time I bring up Muhammad Salah, I sense animosity on your part. Now, you're you're Persian, correct? Yes. Now, what country is that called now? Well, Iran. Iran. I, I, I'm sorry. I should have known that. My apologies. No disrespect intended. So how do the Iranians and Egyptians get along? Is that a point of contention? Uh, no, you know, you talk about government, the, all the government, in my opinion, that's the, everything goes from the government. People are people. Egyptian, American, Iranian, African the, the nations, anywhere you go, if you basically relation with people to people, it's always... That's, Bob, Bob, that's very story. inspirational. I appreciate that. So you, So are you a fan of Mohammed Salah then? Oh yeah, he's a pretty good player. He didn't he didn't do it. Uh, he didn't do it last Sunday. But uh, well, uh, yeah, thanks know, for bringing up last Sunday, Bob. Goodbye. Guy doesn't score, and Bob has to jam it in my nose. Muhammad Salah, a gift from Allah. He came from Roma to bring us goals. He better score this Sunday. That's for sure. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. We got Stan at the bottom of the hour. One zero five nine. The X. And now the super genius Mark Madden. All hail Finn. All hail Mark Madden. I think that says a lot about my integrity. I love it. I think it's great. Ah, tung, baby. The X at one zero five nine. We got Stan at about fifteen minutes. So let's go to the calls while we have a chance. Let's go to Matt in Murraysville. Matt, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Mark. I mean, I've been a fan since the 91, 90 season. That's about as far back as I can remember since I was born in the mid-80s. And people are now just too spoiled with the Penguins. This was a great season. We went in the playoffs. We eliminated the Flyers, which was great. And there's no reason to be bent out of shape. There's always next year. I mean, you're... you're well, as I said earlier, uh, as prompted by a caller... The people at PPG Paints Arena gave the Penguins a standing ovation and clapped them off the rink at game's end. So the people who count certainly appreciated. But but you're right. It, it is a spoiled fan base here in Pittsburgh. And people always give me crap because I compare the three teams here in Pittsburgh. But I'm going to do it again because I love how the same people, the same people, who bitch and moan about this guy screwed up for the Penguins and they shouldn't have made this trade and now they got rid of this guy, have infinite frigging patience with the Pirates stealing the city's money. 
Let me tell you, Jim Rutherford has a better plan than Neil Huntington does. Ron and Mario have a better plan than the Hillbilly Prince does. I'd feel a lot better about a lot of you if you judged each team in town by the same friggin' standard. Let's go to Rob in Oakland. Rob, you're on with these super genius. Hey, Double M, how are you? Good. Uh, I just wanted to kind of piggyback off that call. Do you think that sense of entitlement with the Penguins is kind of what gives the people the uh, that perpetuates them to kind of think they can point the finger at guys like you know Chris Letang and Matt Murray? Uh, probably. I, I think that's part of it. I think it's also tougher to point the finger when a team's no good, like the Pirates usually are, no good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't know, I just feel like uh, the fan base is very tough on Matt Murray for a guy who's succeeded in the past two years, and I still feel like he's... Well, and the irony season. there uh, is that for how many years the people in this town wanted to you know, run Murray out of it on a rail for his uh, playoff failings, whether real or exaggerated, and then when Matt Murray made Mark the underdog, the town rallied to his side. It's just a screwy town with dumbass people. I know, yeah. It's crazy to see that, especially with, uh, and now they see Flurry doing well in Vegas, and they're like, oh, if we had him here, it would be the same story. It wouldn't be that. Like, you never know what's going to happen with who's and what's Well, well Mark like had that. a better season than Matt Murray did, and Mark's having a better playoff than Matt Murray did. And Mark's also in front of a, of a of a hungrier, fresher, more defensively organized team. A team that mm-hmm. places more emphasis on the defensive end of the rink than the Penguins do. The Penguins are all about attack. Vegas is probably more of a 50-50 split, but uh, they don't gamble defensively like the Penguins do. And when you gamble defensively, the goalie has to pick up the slack. Matt Murray did the last couple years. This year he had a bit of a tougher time, especially after being concussed at the end of February. But but to reiterate, every single GM in the league, and every coach too, in the situation the Penguins find themselves in, would have kept Murray over Flurry. And Murray still is the better bet for the long run. I think he's going to have a tremendous career, and I don't think Matthew Murray has won his last Stanley Cup. Let's go to Craig in the car. Craig, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark, how are you? Terrific. Uh, I believe you. I'm close to your age, so I remember the Pat Boutet and Spinner Spencer days. And then you could talk to the guy across the ice from you in some of the games. So I appreciate what the, I've seen in the last 15 years from the Bengals. My question to you is it's not an argument over Latang and Cole or anyone else, but you take a snapshot of last year's defense and compare it to this year's defense, which one do you think was more solid? And for what well, last, last year's to? defense was more solid because it was deeper. That's a good point. But this this year's like this year, like last year, you know, Latang wasn't there, but they had Hainsey. They had Daly. Uh they didn't have to play Ruedel except for a little bit in the playoffs. Like last year when Latang couldn't go in the playoffs, it put Hainsey in a position where he had to play every game and he came through, which truth be told, a lot of people weren't sure he would. Yeah, uh, Hainsey remind me of a uh uh, the gentleman we got from Toronto a few years back that played on the on the Stanley Cup team as well, the defenseman. But uh, I have no yeah, idea I, who I, that is. I, I, I lost my train of thought on who, who the gentleman was. But I, yeah, I, I just uh, 
I, I think there's a couple breakdowns in, in various departments on the on the Penguins this year, but certainly appreciate what they gave us. Uh, that's a lot of games played in, in two and a half years, so certainly appreciate it. Three hundred seven. Thank you for the call. I'm trying to figure out now who it was the Penguins got from Toronto. It wasn't Daryl Sador, was it? In 09? Ah, who cares? Up next, Stan Saverin. It's the Mark Madden Show 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. It is Stan the Man Gable Gravitas. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. The X at 105.9. Joining me now is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. A pleasure to talk to Stan Saverin. Stan, the Penguins never really got going last night, did they? It seemed like the Capitals found a way to stagnate the Penguins. Yeah, they really did. Um, you know, clogging up the neutral zone and uh, taking you know all their speed away. Uh, the thing that amazed me about that, this is not new. This is not reinventing the game. Uh, Penguin franchises, this team as well, has encountered that many times before to take away their speed and their quick strike ability. Uh, I would have hoped that the Penguins would have adjusted to it unless they just didn't have the legs to do that. Uh, again, I was surprised that they didn't you know, adapt better because it's not something that they haven't seen before. And, hey, give Washington credit. Um, that's the kind of game they wanted, and the team that is able to dictate the pace often is the team that wins the game, and Washington was in control of the tempo, and getting the first goal, they could sit back and do that. Backstrom and Wilson were out for the Capitals, but the Penguins clearly had some some key guys playing hurt, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know what was wrong with Kessel other than we do know that something was wrong. Uh, I don't think that Gino looked anything like Evgeny Malkin, even when he came back. He had the one great effort in Game 4, diving for that goal and nudging across the line, but not the kind of play he makes with his legs. And I know you'll appreciate this. Uh, the Penguins did not have their legs. Uh, it, it really wasn't evident to me until last night. I mean, I thought that they were okay, um, not in the way they were playing, but in terms of their skating. But, boy, they really looked, they really looked not slow, but um, half-step, quarter-step slow to the puck, which has been their great advantage over the last two years. It's not straight-line speed. It's not that Carl Hagelin can beat everybody in a race from blue line to, to blue line. It's the quick jump to the puck. And I thought that Washington was a quarter-quick step, uh, quarter-quick step, uh, quarter-step quicker than they were. And I kept thinking, as you often do, Herb Brooks used to say, the legs feed the wolf, and they just weren't as quick. Some weird things happened to Stan in this series. The Penguins blew two third-period leads against Washington. They almost never did that all year. And after having the best home record in hockey during the regular season, they were 2-4 and four at home during this postseason. Both very telling. Uh, I'm not sure what the reason for that is. Uh, why would that you know change dramatically? Uh, I have no idea. Um, I don't know, again, if it's the quickness factor, the fatigue factor coming into a third period when they had leads, uh, when they were 24-0-2 in the regular season, when they had a lead after two periods. Uh, certainly there were defensive lapses. 
Uh, I give Washington a great deal of credit for exploiting something in the Penguins' game. Uh, maybe it was as something as simple as they like to pinch. It's what they've done, uh, but they didn't cover very well for it, and it appears that the Capitals were able to take advantage of that. Again, where were the adjustments in that regard? Uh, there's no other way to explain it. Nothing logically that I can think of is that this is not the same team, uh, either in terms of personnel uh, or in terms of, you know, uh, how strong they were in, in their skating, and maybe even just in mental fatigue. Uh, it takes something extra special uh, to win a cup, let alone two in a row, let alone three in a row. And it's not something conscious, but if you've been around cup winners, you know when it's there. You mentioned the pinching stand, and uh, I thought they did it to excess uh, as the the season wore on this year. And that's not a knock on Sully because it, it worked for the last two years, all that that pinching as well as the defenseman jumping in the rush. But moving forward, I think they might need to temper it because when you do it that much, by rote almost, and you do it that long, boy, teams catch on, and the Capitals clearly did. They need a plan B next year. They need a bit more flexibility in terms of their system. Yeah, I would agree, and I think that when you look at all professional sports leagues, they're copycat leagues. If you win a championship you know, doing something, then someone's going to say, well, that's the way to do that. Whatever it is the Eagles did last year, you can bet you'll see some NFL teams um, adopt those kinds of strategies, like maybe using their backup quarterbacks. Uh, but, I mean, clearly the Penguins' advantage was that they were out-skating people. I, I don't even like that term, out-quicking people, uh, so quick to the puck. And you saw a lot of teams this year add speed to their lineup. That would include the Capitals, uh, even the Flyers, for that matter. Uh, Tampa Bay has pretty much always had that. Uh, and, and I think that that's an element. They said, this is the way to beat that team. It's also a better way to play. Well, you, everything is relative. So you factor they have improved their speed. The core Penguin guys, everybody understands, uh, talking about the skaters with the exception of Gensel, the key guys are all over 30. Natural attrition, they're not going to be as quick as they once were. Combine that with other teams coming up with the design to be able to skate faster, and whatever advantages the Penguins had were negated. We're talking to Stan Saverin, the godfather. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. They got your back. Uh, not your wallet. Uh, where do the Penguins need to get better for next season, Stan? Well, number one, uh, and not even in terms of priority, the first thing at the top of my head, um, they need to find, I think, um, a really sound, solid sixth defenseman. Uh, I think Ruedel is a seventh guy, noble effort. I do think they found someone in Alexiak, someone that they can count on, go forward with in his role as a fifth or sixth guy. So finding a fifth or sixth defenseman, I think the top four are fine. Uh, I mean, they are going to have to make changes if only because not only some people underachieved during the playoffs, but you have to make the assumption, at least I think so, Mark, that Zach Aston Reese and Daniel Sprong are going to be on this team, the big squad, heading forward. That means some people have to go. Um, again, uh, there are people, the core is 30, they're still good and or great players, but Maybe they have to consider, you know, making a move uh, because you've got to make room for Sprong and Zach Aston Reese. 
I'm not sure that uh, the Capitals did it by necessity because of the injuries they had Backstrom and what happened with Wilson. But, you know, hey, maybe those younger legs they had last night were a factor. Didn't win the series for them, but, you know, maybe that's what you're, you know, what you're looking for. I mean, I think you've got to look at guys who are not productive and say, we understand they bring certain elements, but we've got two guys in Reese and Sprong. We are counting on their, uh, them improving and getting better as so many of these young players have. So, I mean, I think that that's something they're going to have to do, um, and they're going to have to get you know better seasons, more consistent seasons from Latang and certainly Derek Broussard. Uh, I'm still not going to trash the trade. Uh, I think at certain points, a player's got to be responsible for his own performance. He had plenty of time to adapt, plenty of time to adjust. I still think he's a very good player. I think he'll be a valuable addition next year. Of course, then again, it's up to him to perform up to the level that Rutherford expected when he acquired him. What about Matt Hunwick? I'm not sure he's not that sixth defenseman, and I might have used him ahead of Ruedel at some point during these playoffs. Well, I think that that's uh, that's a valid suggestion, uh, and in that regard, not that I mean, I think Alexiak really stepped up nicely. I really do. Uh, but then, if you did that, and I'm with you, I'm not going to put Matt Hunwick in the Ron Stackhouse category and boo him every time he takes a drink of water. Uh, but that would have allowed you to have a veteran presence there, and I realize he struggled a bit at times, uh, but then so again, so did Ruedel. That would also, by the way, allow you to move Alexiak to the right side where he's more comfortable. Everybody has an opinion on Matt Murray and Chris Letang in these playoffs, Stan. What's yours? My opinion is that, you know, Matt Murray played below standard. Uh, you know, he didn't get much help from his defense either, by the way, uh, all the two-on-ones. But it's not only how many saves you make, it's the key saves that you make. And he had some, but he certainly, uh, A, was not as good as he's been the last two playoff runs. And he wasn't as good as Holtby. Um, give Holtby some credit. I think that's the key phrase, Stan. Uh I don't think Murray was terrible. I thought he was average, maybe even a bit above average, but hope he outplayed him. He did. And, you know, the first goal last night was a bad goal. That's going to happen. Yes. By the way, that happened in the National Series last year, too, if you'll recall, when they lost games three and four. Uh, but they were able to recover. He was able to recover. So, again, all things are relative. I don't think his play was horrible. I, don't even, I wouldn't even classify it as bad. But two things, he wasn't as good as Holtby, if you want to go goaltender versus goaltender. And it's not up to the standard that we were used to seeing. I mean, it's really unfortunate if you think – about how well Matt Murray was playing before he had about an eight or nine or ten game stretch when he was eight one and one and his goals against was well below two um, and then the unfortunate issue with his father there was an injury there I don't think he ever recovered from that necessarily and let's be honest about it a I thought it was very fitting that the last goal of the season against was like so many others we saw, not just in the playoffs, but they had issues with odd man breaks all season long. That was a problem from day one. Uh, another factor, Latang was up and down all season long. He had some stretches, but he was, at best, ends up with, a, with an even but he was he really was up and down. And the other thing I think that was a problem that was camouflaged, one of the storylines of this season was that they were having difficulty, if you remember, scoring five-on-five. Five. They relied on the best power play in the NHL to compensate for that. 
Well, they got one power play opportunity last night, and either, I can't remember, one or two in game number five. They did not produce five-on-five for large stretches of the regular season, and that continued in the playoffs, but this time the power play wasn't able to bail them out. Now, there are a few positives to take away, Stan, and and a few of them are uh, Gensel is a playoff phenomenon. I thought Brian Dumoulin was brilliant in these playoffs and during the regular season, and Sidney Crosby is still the best hockey player in the world. Agree on all three counts. Uh, Absolutely agree. Um, in that regard, and I would throw Hornquist in there too. You know, you mean you know what you're going to get from him. He's invaluable in that regard. Um, you, you know that, that there's no worry about a false advertising label with him. You know exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. So I would include you know him in there. But almost everybody else, uh, I, I agree about Dumoulin was fantastic. To me, he's their number one defenseman now. Whether you think he's got more talent or less than Latang, the truth of the matter is is that night in and night out, he's improved his offensive game. Um, he's got a great stick defensively, defends extremely well. Uh, but there are other people who did not have the kinds of playoffs. I, I refuse to criticize Kessel um, until I find out exactly what's going on. If he's running around with a fractured wrist, which is you know possible, all bets are off in that regard. But they got nothing from Sherry, um, who, you know... Stan, I- Sherry was so bad, I'm beginning to doubt if he can still play in the league, and Dominic Simone was rotten. Just he was, rotten. but I also think they that Simone was miscast. Um, I have to wonder why it takes so long with him up on the top line. Uh, I would have, frankly, changed, swapped him out with Brian Rust, who also, by the way... I think of all the players, uh, he was one of the most disappointing because he's been such a clutch playoff performer. Sherry's always been an up-and-down guy. He can do some things. He did not in this particular series. But Rust is a guy, you know, always score a couple of big goals. Uh, I didn't think that he was particularly noticeable uh, in the series, and the numbers bear that out. Uh, so it's, it's not one or two or three. Um, it's about a 15 failure, if you will. Uh, and and uh, I still think there's an awful lot of talent, and I would go this. I, I think that right now, uh, pending what happens in the rest of the Stanley Cup run this year, the Penguins have to be considered a top three or four contender for another Cup next year. No question. Stan, great stuff as always. I'll see you Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. I look forward to it. That's Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Going to talk to Bob McLaughlin next and Steve Mears next hour. I, I I I just found out. I knew he was talking about it, and he said something last night that should have made me figure it out. But uh, John Dimitrovic, the uh, security guy in the media room for any number of years, is retiring. Last night was his last game. And I didn't know that for sure, and I feel bad now that I didn't say anything. I just said, John, you got to come back next year, and... He kind of rolled his eyes because he's, you know, approaching 90, I think. But he's the greatest guy. I've enjoyed working with him all these years. Here's how far back John and I go. When I was a little kid hanging outside the dressing room trying to get autographs and broken sticks, John was the guy who chased me away. And I'm not kidding. But he's a great guy. I've enjoyed him being around. I I hope I see him uh, sometime again now that his uh, hockey career has come to a close, but uh, well done, John Dimitrovic. A good guy and a good friend for many years at uh, not just PPG Paints Arena, obviously, but uh, 
uh, Mellon Arena, the Civic Arena. Heck, if I'd have been at Duquesne Gardens for the Hornets. It- and now the super genius, Mark Madden. Go ahead. You can say it because it's true. It's damn true. Hey, Mark. Love the show. Thank you for making my day. Yeah. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, uh, what's your basic take on the Penguins now being out? I think the Capitals were worthy winners. I think the Penguins had a lot of heart, but but not much legs. Yeah, well put. Uh, we talked yesterday about these two teams being uh, very evenly matched, and you saw more of that last night. Somehow, some way, the Caps were able to slow the Penguins down to get them into kind of an ugly, plodding, sloppy game, and it just worked out for them. It went to overtime. Uh, I think everybody in the city joined me as just saying, wow, this might not be our year. And as soon as that uh, Kuznetsov breakaway happened, I think everybody knew that that was going in. So um, good run. Uh, I'm not angry, not too upset. I mean, I'm upset that they lost to the Caps and that they can't do it for a third year. But Disappointed hel- is the best word it, that applies yeah, here. Hell of a run. Disappointed uh, and grateful for the last, God, three seasons. Well, yeah, even though they didn't win this year, we had all year to bask in the last two Stanley Cups. So, uh uh, yeah, like uh, I was talking to Matt Murray after the game, and he said he he got a, you know he was upset because they lost, but he got a big smile on his face and goes, "Boy, it's been so much fun." Yeah, and, and it really has been, and it's it's good to know that that Matthew appreciates that in the wake of a loss, uh, and that was the, the the sentiment I got generally in the Penguins' room last night. Yeah, they were disappointed, but no tears were shed, and, and there was a sense of relief because the pressure's not there now. They can sleep in. They don't have to practice. You know, there were some horribly long seasons required of them these past two years. And I'm sure they'd much rather have won a third straight Stanley Cup. But an extra, I don't know, like five weeks off is probably appealing now that it's all over. Well, Mark, let's go back a year to when you were kind of into the third and fourth round the finals last year and you were saying oh my god is this ever going to end we're going into june now it's been two straight years of this thing uh, and you're not the one out there on the ice getting beat up and ran into and getting concussions and getting slammed into the boards so I, that's what i've heard from a lot of people that i know follow hockey closely throughout the day exchanging texts or you know phone messages and stuff a lot of people thankful for the run well yeah um, and the people that caught most the people at ppg paints arena the players were genuinely touched by the send-off the crowd gave them after being eliminated at home. You know what? You couldn't hear any boos. Almost the entire crowd was still in their seats. People didn't leave early. And, and they wouldn't have because it's overtime. But they didn't run for the exits once the goal went in either. They gave the team the thank you it deserved. And I was very impressed by the fans doing that after the loss last night. Yeah, well done. I shut the TV and the computer off immediately after the goal went in last night. But I did look today. Uh, online and stuff, and I did see that reaction. No beer cans, you know, for all those Philly fans who say that, you know, our crowds suck also and that we're thugs just like their crowds. I didn't see any beer cans going out on the ice last night, but, yeah, immediately after the goal, good for the Penguins fans in attendance last night to start the Let's Go Pens and to get the uh, pretty raucous uh, applause for the team. Uh, I feel like they need fresh blood, kind of a jolt of electricity. I don't think they got it from their call-ups this year like they did with Gensel last year and Rust and Sherry the year before that. But I don't feel like they should make a big trade either. <laughs> in terms of the direction they need to go, I'm kind of copy-twixt in between, but it's worth noting um, 
Well, Aston Reese and Sprong will both be with the team next year. And maybe that Benson, the the, the defenseman that they're high on. But I don't see anybody else that, that's too ready, even close, as a matter of fact. No, I agree with you. I don't think that there's any major trade or anything. Uh, I read a great story today on the Hockey News where Matt Lark and the writer said, hey, look, don't don't put the pens to bed yet. And he pointed out all of the different reasons why they could be right back in this position next year. And I think a lot of people in the hockey world are counting on them to be right back in this position next year. Um, I know a lot of people, and you've discussed it ad nauseum today with the little tang factor with the uh, with the callers and with the people, you know, you're, do you still tweet? Do you still reply to them? Or are no, you still no. on hiatus? Bob, uh, don't you listen to the show? I've, I haven't tweeted back to people I don't know for almost five weeks. Well, no, I, I know not know, but anybody? Well, like I, if anybody calls up or Today tweets... I exchanged with Mike DeCourcy a little bit. Okay. I mean, if I know you or follow you, I will tweet back. Okay. Well, I don't think, you know, people are calling for Latang and, you know, to get out of here because of his cap hit, because of the play. <laughs> right, because they what? really understand the nuances of the cap. Right, that's you, and they that. really know what Tanger's no movement cause includes. Right, and you know exactly who's out there, like what defensemen are going to be available and who's going to cost what and everything. I think you bring him back, of course, next year. You've got like, the like root. The, the, the silly theory I heard just moments ago on Twitter: they should trade Latang and use the money to sign Carlson. <laughs> well, Carlson from Ottawa, not not the Washington Carlson, but the Ottawa Carlson. Eric Carlson with a K and then K. another K. Uh, he's going to be available in free agency. He's going to want far more than Latang's making. And uh, I think he's missing a bone in his foot after the surgery he had. So I don't know if I want to give $10 million a year to a defenseman who's missing a bone in his foot. <laughs> well, plus, like you said earlier, you, you asked Chris Latang to simplify and to do some of the things that he's very good at and to just concentrate on that. Um, Matt Murray didn't play as well as Holpe did. Holpe won the series for the Capitals, but it was close. You know, there was a bad goal last night, but after that bad goal, Mark, you can uh, just count the number of great saves that Murray made to but, keep the pens to, in to be To be absolutely clear, and, I, and I'm a big Matt Murray fan, but like Tom Barrasso once said, the great saves don't take the bad goals off the scoreboard. But you don't blow it up either because of that one bad goal. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, no, I believe they kept the right goalie. I think Matt Murray's going to have a great career, and I don't believe he's won his last Stanley Cup by any stretch. One guy I've been discussing I want to give a lot of credit to. You know, we know how great Sid did. He always does, and he's still the best player in hockey. We know how great Gensel did for a second straight playoff. I thought Brian Dumoulin's play in these playoffs, and mostly all season, was revelatory. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Absolutely. We and you have talked about it a number of times. He just kept getting better and better, more and more confident. Uh, he is smooth with the puck also. Um the last two series, I've seen him take more offensive chances than I think I've seen him do all year, and I think that that's confidence. Wait for him next year. Uh, his play, his continuing arc of play, could uh, help get the Penguins back to the finals next year. That's Bob McLaughlin. He's brought you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about Pirate Baseball. It's starting here on the Mark Madden Show, and then 30 seconds after that, we'll get back to talking about Penguins. So do call now, 412 Three 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 WXDX.